ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد من منهج السلف الرد على المخالف chapter 10 so here now the Sheikh is going to start explaining this principle from the methodology of the Salaf, which is that it is from the methodology of the Salaf to refute the opposers. Uh, and this, as the Sheikh says, وَهُوَ أَصْلٌ مُتَقَرَّرٌ عِنْدَ أَهْلِ سُنَّةِ وَالْجَمَاعَةِ وَيُعَدُّونَهُ مِنْ بَابِ النَّصِيحَةِ This is a principle which is established with Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. It's a principle which is established with Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, and they consider that to be from advice. They consider this to be from advice. It is from advice to refute the opposers and to make clear to the people what the correct methodology is and to make clear to the people those affairs that oppose the correct methodology. And the Quran and the Sunnah and the consensus has indicated this principle of refuting uh, the opposer. Um, for further details, if somebody wanted to go into further details, وَلِمَزِيدٍ مِنَ التَّفْصِيلِ فِي هَذَا الْبَابِ وَهُوَ الرَّدْ عَلَى الْمُخَالِفِ يُنظر فِي الْكِتَابِ الْقَيِّمِ الْمَوْصُومِ بِمَنْهَجْ أَهْلِ سُنَّةِ وَالْجَمَاعَةِ فِي نَقْدِ الرِّجَالِ وَالْكُتُبُ الطَّوَائِفِ this is a book by a Sheikh Rabi' bin Hadi al-Madkhali, Hafizahullah Ta'ala. And it is the book which relates to the methodology of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah in criticizing men and books and groups. How Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah they go about in their criticism of these opposers and the opposing methodologies. And that is explained well in the book of a Sheikh Rabi' bin Hadi al-Madkhali, Hafizahullah Ta'ala. So here now the Shaykh says, إِنَّهُ مِنَ الْمُتَقَرَّرِ عِنْدَ أَئِمَّةِ السَّلَفِ رَحِمَهُمُ اللَّهِ الرَّدُّ عَلَى الْمُخَالِفِ وَسَوَاءٍ كَانَ الْمُخَالِفُ مِنْ أَهْلِ سُنَّةِ وَالْجَمَاعَةِ خَالَفَ فِي مَسْأَلَةٍ فِقْهِيَّةٍ أَوْ عَقَدِيَّةٍ أَوْ كَانَ الْمُخَالِفُ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْبِدَعِ That it is established with the Salaf, it is something that is established amongst the Salaf, to refute the opposer, to refute the opposers in their oppositions, whether that opposer is from Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Maybe the person who has the opposition in certain affairs is somebody from Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. He may have opposed in a, a fiqh issue, or he may have made some opposition in some aqidah issue. So it could be somebody from Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, and they made some error, and they made some opposition in a particular issue. So that error and that opposition is clarified. Or it could be somebody who is from Ahl Bid'ah anyway. It could be somebody who is from the people of innovation anyway. وَلَا يَلْزَمْ فِي الرَّدِّ عَلَى الْمُخَالِفِ ذِكْرُ حَسَنَاتِ الْمَرْدُودِ عَلَيْهِ أَوِ الْمَوَازَنَ بَيْنَ الْحَسَنَاتِ وَسَيِّئَاتِ And it is not a necessity whatsoever that when you refute the opposer, that you must mention his good deeds too. Some of the people now they say, if you're going to refute someone, then be fair, be just. Mention the good things that he's done as well. And then you can mention these errors that you want to refute as well. 
But we say no, that is not a necessity. And it is not from the methodology of the Salaf to have to mention the good points of that individual. Because the purpose of refuting the opposer, the purpose of refuting the oppositions is exactly that. To refute the oppositions. The purpose isn't to praise the good that he may have done or uh, the accurate uh, aspects of his uh, uh, da'wah. That's not the purpose of the refutation. The purpose of the refutation is to warn the people against the errors. So it is not something that is necessitated that you must then start to mention all of his good things that he's done as well to be, as they say, just and fair. So we don't balance it out. There is no necessity from the methodology of the Salaf to have to balance out refutations as they say. These people who come along now, they say, if you're going to refute and you're going to mention all of these bad points about that person and all of these errors about that person, then be just and mention his good points and good things that he has as well. But we say that is not a necessity and that is not something that is uh, required when refuting the opposers. Uh, the evidence for that, the Qur'an itself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He praised the believers without mentioning their evil deeds. And similarly, He praised or rather dispraised the disbelievers and the munafiqeen and the fasiqeen without mentioning their good deeds. فَقَدْ مَدَحَ اللَّهُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ مِنْ غَيْرِ ذِكْرِ مَسَاوِئِهِمْ وَذَمَّ اللَّهُ الْكَافِرِينَ وَالْمُنَافِقِينَ وَالْفَاسِقِينَ مِنْ غَيْرِ ذِكْرِ مَحَاسِنِهِمْ وَقَدْ حَذَّرَ النَّبِيَ سَلَّمْ أُمَّتَهُ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْأَهْوَاءِ دُونَ الْتِفَاتِ إِلَى مَا فِيهِمْ مِنْ حَسَنَاتِ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He praised the believers without mentioning any of the downsides. And similarly, on the other hand, Allah dispraised the disbelievers and the munafiqeen and the fasiqeen, the hypocrites and the open sinners, etc. He dispraised them without having to mention or without mentioning their good deeds. So this indicates that it is not from the methodology of the Salaf to have to balance out the affair as the individuals who do not understand now claim. And indeed the Prophet ﷺ, he warned this ummah from the people of innovation, the people of desires, without giving any attention to the fact that they may have some good deeds with them too. Because the purpose of the refutation, as we have said, is to clarify to the people these oppositions so they are warned against them and they stay away from them. The purpose is not to tell them about the good things about the people of innovation and the correct things that they've done. That is not the purpose. In fact, that defeats the purpose. Because then you are encouraging people with those individuals of innovation by telling them that they've got this good thing and they've got that good thing. So we do not do that. وَذَكَرَ النَّبِي صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ عُيُوبَ أَشْخَاصٍ مُعِيِّنِينَ وَلَمْ يَذْكُرْ مَحَاسِنَهُمْ مِنْ بَابِ النَّصِيحَةِ And it's mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ, he used to mention the criticisms and the deficiencies of specific individuals by name. And he never used to mention their good points and that was all as a part of nasiha. That is like the narration of Aisha radiyallahu anha qalat, تَلَى رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ هَذِهِ الْآيَةِ هُوَ الَّذِي أَنزَلَ عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ مِنْهُ آيَاتٌ مُحْكَمَاتٌ هُنَّ أُمُّ الْكِتَابِ وَأُخَرُ مُتَشَابِهَاتٌ فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ زَيْغٌ فَيَتَّبِعُونَ مَا تَشَابَهَ مِنْهُ بِتِغَاءِ الْفِتْنَةِ وَبِتِغَاءِ تَأْوِيلِهِ وَمَا يَعْلَمُ تَأْوِيلَهُ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَالرَّاسِخُونَ فِي الْعِلْمِ يَقُولُونَ آمَنَّا بِهِ كُلٌّ مِنْ عِنْدِ رَبِّنَا وَمَا يَذَّكَّرُ إِلَّا أُولُو الْأَلْبَابِ 
when this uh, when the Prophet ﷺ recited these ayat or this ayah recited this ayah from Surah Ali Imran and the ayah uh, which relates to the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down the book the Quran in it are ayat which are muhkamat clear cut in their meaning they do not hold other than one meaning they are the head of the Quran they are the, the source of the Quran the return point of the Quran and there are other ayat which may hold multiple meanings they may hold or have the possibility of holding multiple meanings. Um, so as for those people who have misguidance or deviance in their hearts, then they follow these ayat which could possibly have double meaning to them depending on how you understand them. They follow those types of ayat wanting by that fitna and wanting by that to make their own interpretations. And indeed nobody knows that interpretations except Allah and the ones firmly grounded in knowledge they say, that we believe in it, all of it is from Allah, and only the people of knowledge, the ones with intellect, they consider that. So when the Prophet ﷺ recited this ayah, he then said, فَإِذَا رَأَيْتَ الَّذِينَ يَتَّبِعُونَ مَا تَشَابَهَ مِنْهُ فَأُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ سَمَّ اللَّهِ فَاحْذَرُوهُمْ If you see the people who are following the ambiguous affairs, then know they are the ones that Allah has named in this ayah. They are the ones that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking of, so be warned of them. Rawahu al-Bukhari wa Muslim fi sahihihima. Also, Abi Hurairah radiyallahu anhu qal, Sayakunu fi akhir zaman, Nasun yuhadithunakum bima lam tasma'u antum wala aba'ukum. Fa iyaakum wa iyaahum. Muqaddimat Muslim. Sahih Muslim. In this hadith of Abu Huraira, he says that there are going to be people at the end of time, they are going to tell you things that you have never heard. You know your forefathers. So be warned from them. Again, a clear warning against those individuals. And it is known that even the people of innovation, even the people of innovation, they are going to have some good points. They will have some parts where they are accurate and they are correct in what they say. However, when the Prophet ﷺ warned against them, the people of desires and the people of innovation, even though no doubt they are going to have some parts which are correct and good, he never gave any attention to that. And he didn't say that you should benefit from their good parts and leave the bad parts, as some of these people of desires they now say. They say this individual, he's knowledgeable, take the good from him and leave the bad. And that is a very dangerous principle. It is a very dangerous principle which is incorrect to say take the good and leave the bad from these people of innovation and bid'ah. Because how are you going to differentiate? How are you going to differentiate which parts are authentic and which parts are not? How are you going to differentiate between which parts are from the methodology of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah and which parts are from his own deviated methodology that he is uh, uh, entering into the rest of his speech. So it is not correct to say, take the good and leave the bad. And the Prophet ﷺ did not used to say that. Al-Imam al-Baghawi, he explained these two hadith and he said, that the Prophet ﷺ has explained that this ummah will split. And that the people of desires and innovation are going to appear within them. 
And he gave the ruling. The Prophet ﷺ explained that success and savior will be for those who follow his sunnah and the sunnah of his companions. فلا يسلم عليه إذا لقيه ولا يجيبه إذا ابتدى إلا إلى أن يترك بدعته ويراجع الحق. This is the statement of Imam al-Baghawi. He says, so if a person sees somebody who is engaging in desires and bid'ah, believing in that, or that he is somebody who is very slack in implementing the sunnah, then abandon this person and free yourself from him. And do not give salam to him, and don't reply to him, and leave him until he leaves his bid'ah and his innovation. والنهي عن الهجران فوق ثلاث فيما يقع بين الرجلين من التقصير في حقوق الصحبة والعشرة دون ما كان في حق من الدين فإن هجرة أهل أهواء والبدع دائمة إلى أن يتوبوا Sometimes people they bring this doubt they say you can't make abandonment of a, of a person for more than three days which there is a narration about that you're not supposed to abandon someone for more than three days. Don't abandon your brother for more than three days. Don't be angry for more than three days. That is referring to... It is referring to the relationship between yourself and that brother. Maybe some worldly thing occurred, some business issue occurred, some other personal thing occurred between you, then in those instances you shouldn't abandon each other for more than three days. Some personal issue occurs, some business issue occurs, something occurs between you, then whenever something occurs between you of that nature, then you shouldn't be abandoning for more than three days. However, if it's an issue of the religion, if it's an issue of the religion, based upon the issues of the religion, the manhaj, the aqidah, then it doesn't come into it. If a person goes on to bid'ah and innovation, and he falls into that, and he sticks to that, and he calls to that, then abandon him. Three days, more than three days, then it's okay. Then that hadith about the three days doesn't come into this issue. This issue is not from that issue. If it is about the religion that you are abandoning this person, if it is about the religion that you are protecting yourself and abandoning this person, etc., then it can be done for more than three days. They are to be abandoned up until they repent. هذا بالنسبة للتحذير من أهل الأهواء والبدع وأما بالنسبة لذكر النبي صلى عيوب أشخاص معينين بدون ذكر محاسنهم. So now he's going to explain the Shaykh about some examples <coughs> where the Prophet ﷺ mentioned the deficiencies of certain individuals by name. Because people, they have this other doubt. They say, don't mention people's names. You're going to refute someone? Don't ever mention anybody's name. They say this. And the reality is it is from the methodology of the Salaf to mention the names if that is required. So here, um, we have the narration of Fatima bint Qais. Fatima bint Qais, she said to the Prophet that Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan and Abu Jahm, both of them have proposed to her. So the Prophet said, أَمَّا أَبُو جَهَمْ فَلَا يَضَعُ عَصَاهُ عَنْ عَاتِقِهِ 
وأما معاوية فسعلوك لا مال له أنكحي أسامة ابن زيد So when she said to the Prophet ﷺ that these two individuals, Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan and Abu Jahm have proposed to her, so then the Prophet ﷺ said, as for Abu Jahm, he never leaves his stick from his back. And as for Muawiyah, then he has no wealth. So instead, propose to Usama ibn Zayd. So the Prophet ﷺ, he criticized the other two. He mentioned them by name and he criticized them and he mentioned some deficiencies within them. With regards to this marriage, and no doubt if a person comes to you seeking advice on marriage, on an individual, then you have to be truthful about that affair. This is nasiha, this is an amana, it is a trust. So here the Prophet ﷺ explained clearly the issues regarding those two individuals. Uh, and then he advised that she should propose to a third individual. So this is an example that the scholars have used to indicate that names can be mentioned. And that the good points do not have to be mentioned. Because no doubt, Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan and Abu Jahm, they had many good virtues. There's no doubt that they had many good virtues. But the point here was not to be mentioning their good points. The point here was to mention the reality of the affair as to whether she should marry one of them or not. So therefore, the point was mentioned. Right, direct to the point. That these two individuals, due to this issue and due to that issue... You should not marry them and instead marry Zayd, uh, Usama ibn Zayd. And that's all that situation, that scenario requires. That scenario doesn't require for you to mention all of the good things and then at the end say, but there's this problem, therefore don't marry him. The whole purpose is whether you should marry or not. So go straight to the point. So here the Prophet ﷺ went straight to the point and he mentioned the issue. Um... There's also another narration of Aisha radiallahu anha anna Hind bint Utba qalat that Hind bint Utba she said Ya Rasulullah inna Aba Sufyan rajlun shahih she said oh uh, messenger of Allah Abu Sufyan is a man who is miserly wa laysa yu'tini ma yakfini wa waladi illa ma akhadtu minhu and he doesn't give me that which suffices me and my child except for that which I take from him without him knowing and he doesn't know that I take some. Because otherwise he doesn't give me that which is sufficient for me and my child. So then the Prophet ﷺ said, خُذِي مَا يَكْفِيكِ وَوَلَدَكِ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ The Prophet ﷺ said, take what you require, that which is sufficient for you and sufficient for your child. Take what is sufficient for you and for your child. Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar said about this narration, وَاسْتَدَلَّ بِهَذَا الْحَدِيثَ عَلَى جَوَازَ ذِكْرِ الْإِنسَانِ بِمَا لَا يُعْجِبُهُ إِذَا كَانَ عَلَى وَجْهِ الْإِسْتِفْتَاءِ وَالْإِشْتِكَاءِ وَنَحْوِ ذَلِكَ وَهُوَ أَحَدُ الْمَوَاضِعَ الَّتِي تُبَاحُ فِيهَا الْغِيبَةِ This hadith is an example of where you are allowed to mention somebody's errors or deficiencies by name and that is in the instance where you are seeking a religious ruling. Here she mentioned Abu Sufyan by name. Saying that he is miserly and he doesn't give us enough money. But the purpose of that was what? The purpose of that was to seek an Islamic fatwa. She said, I take money without him knowing. Because he doesn't give us enough. So the Prophet ﷺ gave the fatwa on that issue, which is that you can take what you require sufficient for you and your son. So again, the name was mentioned there. And the criticism was mentioned for the purpose of seeking a fatwa and what to do. And that is permissible and that is one of the positions, one of the times when it is permissible to speak about somebody behind their back. 
if it is for the purpose of seeking some Islamic ruling on an issue. So when she mentioned to him, to the Prophet she mentioned to the Prophet Abu Sufyan by name and told him what was going on. The Prophet didn't reject that. He didn't tell her off for that. He didn't say this is ghiba, this is backbiting. He didn't say anything like that of that nature. So this indicates that it was permissible to do that in that instance. Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala he said, جرح الرواة الحديث بالحق وبدع المبتدع واجب شرعا Refuting the narrators of the hadith Refuting the narrators of the hadith in truth and the innovation of the innovators is something which is obligatory The narrators of the hadith you know that the great scholars they had books that they wrote about the narrators of the hadith to say that this narrator is okay, this narrator is not, this narrator had this problem, this narrator had that problem, in order that the hadith could be checked and the chains of narration could be checked, to see that these chains are correct and accurate. So that is okay, and that is an obligation in fact, to protect the sunnah. And similarly, to warn against and to mention the innovation of the innovators, that's something which is obligatory for the protection of the religion, and so that the people don't fall into those false methodologies. وقال ومثل ومثل أئمة البدع ومثل أئمة البدع من أهل المقالات المخالفة للكتاب والسنة فإن بيان حالهم وتحذير الأمة منهم واجب باتفاق المسلمين حتى قيل لأحمد بن حنبل and these people who oppose the correct methodology warning against them clarifying their state is something which is obligatory up until it was actually said to الإمام أحمد بن حنبل الرجل يسوم ويسلي قيل لأحمد بن حنبل الرجل يسوم ويصلي ويعتكف أحب إليك أو يتكلم في أهل البدع قال إذا قام وصلى واعتكف فإنما هو لنفسه وإذا تكلم في أهل البدع فإنما هو للمسلمين هذا أفضل يستذري فبرسم برايز أني فاستس أني دوزي اعتكاف يجد الروض فهم سلف but a person who warns against the people of innovation, then that is something which is widespread. The benefit of it is widespread. Many of the people, they will benefit from this warning. They will understand not to sit with a particular individual, not to fall for the errors of that individual. So he said, this is better. So he clarified that the warning against the people of innovation, the benefit of that is widespread. And the Muslims and the believers as a whole will benefit from these warnings against those individuals. And that is similar to jihad in the path of Allah. إِذْ تَثْهِيرَ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَدِينِهِ وَمِنْهَاجِهِ وَشَرْعَتِهِ وَدَفْعُ بَغِي هَأُولَاءِ وَعَدْوَانِهِمْ عَلَى ذَلِكَ وَاجِمٌ عَلَى الْكِفَاءِ بِاتِّفَاقِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Because uh, purifying the religion of Allah and the methodology and the sharia and uh, opposing and pushing away uh, the oppression and the transgression of the enemies, then that is something which is obligatory, al-kifaya, meaning at least some of the Muslims need to do that. And was it not for the fact that there are some people at least who are out there fighting and opposing all of that and clarifying, then the religion would have been corrupted. فَإِنَّ هَؤُلَاءِ إِذَا اسْتَوْلُوا لَمْ يُفْسِدُوا الْقُلُوبَ وَمَا فِيهَا مِنَ الدِّينِ إِلَّا تَبْعًا وَأَمَّا أُولَائِكَ فَهُمْ يُفْسِدُونَ الْقُلُوبَ إِبْتِدَاءً And if those people, they came 
and they conquered the lands of the Muslims, then no doubt that would affect the Muslims, but as a secondary, as a secondary issue. Whereas the people of Bid'ah, their effect upon the Muslims is a primary issue. It goes straight to the hearts of the people, straight to the hearts in terms of misguiding them, in terms of uh, uh, entering into their hearts the false methodologies and the false understandings. How much time do you have? 15 minutes. Mm. So we'll continue. The next chapter, the wabit yajibu mura'atuha bin nisbalil afraad wal jama'at. Certain principles that it is necessary to take into consideration and uh, to abide by with regards to individuals and communities. Which translation do they give there? Yeah, principles which have, have to be maintained for individuals and groups. Mm, so principles that must be maintained for individuals and groups. هذه ضوابط تحدد تحدد من يجب احترامهم وإكرامهم من البشر. These principles they specify. They clarify who it is obligatory to respect and honor from the people. فَلَا يَجُوزُ أَن تُمَسَّ كَرَامَتُهُمْ وَتُحَدَّدْ مَنْ يَجُوزُ الْكَلَامِ فِيهِمْ وَيَقْدِهِمْ بَلْ يَجِبُ عِنْدَ الْحَاجَةِ وَالْمَصْلَحَةِ دُونَ تَعْرِيجِ عَلَى مَحَاسِنِهِمْ فَلَا يَجُوزُ أَن تُمَسَّ كَرَامَتُهُمْ So it's not allowed to transgress against their honor. Principles are in regards to restricting those people who have to be respected and restricting those who can be spoken about and criticized, which is necessary at times and beneficial without having to mention their good points. Mm. So it's about the issue of refuting those people, mentioning their errors, mentioning their criticisms without having to mention their good points. But at the beginning also the Sheikh says there are certain people who the respect must be given to and the honor must be given to. So who are those people firstly? Who, there's two types now. There's people who the respect and the honor must be given to, and there are people who you can warn against and uh, clarify their errors. Who are the ones that the respect and the honor must be given to? Awwalan, al-rusulu wal-anbiya. The prophets and the messengers. Salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhim ajma'in. The prophets and the messengers, they must be respected, they must be honored. Similarly, Thaniyan, as-sahabatul kiram. رضوان الله عليهم أجمعين. The companions. فليس لهم من الأمة إلا الحب والتوقير. وقد أثنى الله عليهم في كتابه الثناء العاطر. وتحدث عن منازلهم وجهادهم وبذلهم في سبيل الله المال والنفس. So the companions, we must be pleased with them and honor them and respect them and love them. And that is our position towards them. And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised them in the Quran with a great amount of praise. And he mentioned their levels and their ranks and their jihad in the path of Allah and how much they gave in terms of their wealth and their own selves in defense of this religion. وَأَثْنَ عَلَيْهِمْ رَسُولَ سَلَمْ أَثْنَاءَ الْعَاطِرَ أَفْرَادًا وَجَمَعَاتٍ Similarly, the Prophet ﷺ, he praised the companions, whether they were individuals or as groups. وَعَتَنَا بِفَضَائِلِهِمْ وَمَكَارِمِهِمْ أَئِمَّةُ الْإِسْلَامِ and the scholars of Islam, the great scholars, they gave concentration and importance 
to their virtues and mentioning their virtues. So they wrote many books in the virtues of the companions. They wrote many books on the virtues of the companions. And the Prophet warned against cursing them. So he said, the Prophet said, Do not curse my companions. Because indeed, if one of you was to spend the likes of Mount Uhud in gold, you would still not even be equivalent to a handful or even half a handful from the companions. That is the virtue of the companions. Who was the Prophet ﷺ addressing when he said this hadith? Generally, generally speaking. Who was he addressing generally speaking? The later generations. The later generations, even before that though. The Uh-uh. The people who addressed after the The companions. He was telling the younger companions about the old companions. He was saying to the younger companions, don't say anything against the older companions. This hadith, he was talking to the younger companions. So this shows that if even the companions, the Prophet ﷺ was telling them, the younger companions, he was telling them that if you were to spend the likes of Mount Uhud, you would still not be comparable to the older companions. Then what therefore of the people who come afterwards? This shows the great virtue of those companions. And they differ in their, in their ranks and status. Some of them have more rank and status, others have less. But they all have rank and status and they all have respect. So the best of the companions we know are the Khulafa al-Rashidin. Then the remainder of the uh, ten, al uh, you have generally the people uh, al-Muhajirun, then the Ansar, the people of Badr. Uh, these people, generally speaking, the Bay'at al-Ridwan, all of those, they are the ones who have more virtues and more rank and status. The people who became Muslims before Fath Mecca, before Mecca was conquered, they are better than the ones who became Muslims afterwards. So that's mentioned in the books of Aqidah, how the companions, they have different levels and different ranks. But all of them have status and all of them have uh, honor. And all of them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, He is pleased with them. ثالثاً التابعون لهم بإحسان من التابعين الذين أدركوا صحابة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم واهتدوا بهديهم مثل فقهاء المدينة سبعة ومن جرى على منهجهم في صار الأمصار ثم من بعده من عمة الحديث والفقه والتفسير الذين سلكوا مسلك الصحابة وتابعين الكرام ومن صار على منهجهم في الاعتقاد والاعتصام بالكتاب وسنة ومجانبة البدع والأهواء وأهلها والدفاع عن الحق وأهله إلى يومنا هذا وبعده إلى أن يأتي أمر الله also then after that, the people that we must respect and honor are the tabi'un. And those who came after them and followed them upon righteousness and goodness. The tabi'een, the salaf, and those who came after them and followed them upon righteousness and goodness, then we must respect them and we must honor them. And we must uh, not speak of their evil, uh, or, or rather, uh, not the evil, but rather we don't speak of the affairs that occurred between them in terms of uh, uh, differences, etc. These are the people that the Prophet ﷺ was referring to when he said, 
that there will not cease to be a group from my nation upon the truth. They will be apparent upon the truth and nobody will harm them or deceive them uh, or be able to uh, harm them. Uh, and they will not be able to be opposed or rather the ones who oppose them, they will not harm them until the command of Allah comes. The Prophet ﷺ in this hadith was speaking about these types of people. The tabi'een and those who come after them upon that righteousness and upon that methodology. قال الشيخ الإسلام ابن تيمية في أمثال هؤلاء ومن علم منه الاجتهاد سائغ فلا يجوز أن يذكر على وجه الذم والتأثيم له فإن الله غفر له خطأه بل يجب لما فيه من الإيمان والتقوى موالاته ومحبته والقيام بما أوجب الله من حقوقه من حقوقه من فناء ودعاء وغير ذلك. So if a person is known to be upon this state, uh, then the Shaykh Rasulullah says it is not allowed to dispraise them or to speak ill of them, but rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven them. So it is upon you to have uh, unity with them, to have love for them, and to be upright on that which Allah has commanded us with in terms of their rights, in praising them and making dua for them and asking for forgiveness for them. And that is how we behave towards the companions and the tabi'een and the great uh, scholars of this uh, uh, ummah. They are the types of people that deserve and have the right to our respect and our honor. The prophets and the messengers, the sahaba, the tabi'een, the salaf. These types of people are the ones of respect and honor and it is upon us to respect them and honor them. As for the people who it is permissible to speak of their errors and their ill deeds, then inshallah ta'ala will start with that next time because that is the final section. That is the final section, so we'll conclude that in next, in the next sitting, inshallah, where we will discuss the people who you are allowed to speak ill of, and you can warn against, and the times when it is permissible to speak about people and it is not considered as backbiting. That will be the final section, inshallah, we'll cover next time, and then after that we'll decide on a different book, a new book to start, inshallah. Maybe a book in Aqeedah and Tawheed or something of that nature. So we'll conclude upon that point for today.